1: put the spring back into your step and into your home too. shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45% up to 45% off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply
0: yes indeed it is the get right right here on 105.3 the fan your home of the dallas cowboys and world series champion texas rangers i'm reginald datatula alongside the fan phenom blake elliot talk to me Appreciate you rocking with us on this Wednesday evening in the Metroplex. Appreciate Ross lebensky hanging out on the ones and twos for us and appreciate you. You can always get involved with the program. We invite you to get involved with the program all the way uh, through the evening. You can do that by various me- means. You can text into the truckwreck.com text line. That number is 877-881-1053. You can always uh, also, you can see our smiling faces. On, uh, if you search 105 com on YouTube, we're there. And also uh, on twitch.tv slash DallasFanCam. We got you till 11 p.m. tonight. And, you know, we'll, we'll cover the gamut of things. Uh, obviously, it's big news when it comes to your Dallas Mavericks broke yesterday. We talked about it uh, a good amount on the program. But, obviously, more continues in that way uh, when it comes to Mark Cuban selling his, a majority stake in the ownership uh, to the Adelson family. Uh, we'll talk with Tim Cato about that and also your Mavs winning last night um, against the Houston Rockets. We'll, we'll talk with Tim Cato of The Athletic here in about 20 minutes. Also, we'll talk about uh, football. We'll have sharing time, all those things. However, look, man, it's Wednesday.
2: It is, but, day.
0: But, uh, you know, in the star, you know, because weeks kind of shift depending on when games are played. This is Friday.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. actually able to see uh, summer practice the other day. And they're treating it like they're getting ready for this game. There is no rolling over; just another game. They know how important these games are coming up. So I guess with this would be Saturday. Yeah,
0: there we go. Yeah, yeah, they're I, getting ready. I shifted my days. Yeah, it'd be Saturday because tomorrow is game day. Your Dallas Cow- Cowboys welcoming in the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tariq Woolen, Devon Witherspoon, all those guys come in to try and dethrone your Dallas Cowboys uh, at AT&T Stadium. They have had a good go of it over the for a good stretch of time, I believe 13 games. Is that is that mm-hmm. the current win streak at AT&T 13. Stadium? Uh, your Cowboys looking like uh, an unstoppable force when they play at home in that stadium. And uh, this is also one of the first tests that your Cowboys are going to have if you want to view it as such since uh, they played the Eagles pretty much. And so with that being the case, uh, what what? how much of a challenge do the Seahawks pose? Again, 877-881-1053 because, um, you know, this is a team that is not necessarily, you know, they are not leading in the NFC East or NFC West rather, the Seahawks, right? This is a team that was looking kind of interesting early, but of late they've kind of faltered a little bit. And so with that being the case, where are you standing on this, Blake? What what are some of the things that you're looking at with this team? How much of a challenge do the Seahawks pose for you?
2: Yeah, so when it comes in comparison to the other teams that the Dallas Cowboys have played in recent weeks, they pose more of a challenge. Now, do they pose a challenge where I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win? No. This will be the first over 500 win that the Cowboys get in all the Narratives will run with that one. But it's interesting looking at the Seahawks, as you were speaking to earlier, Reggie. They started off pretty hot. I mean, they started off three and one, but since week two, the Seattle Seahawks have not scored 30 points. And even in more detail, the last four weeks, they've had a point total of three, 26, 16, and 13. So when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, I think the Seahawks will. I don't think Dak's going to throw for six touchdowns and absolutely light up this defense. It is a solid defense. not saying it's top five or anything. But my concern is, will the Seahawks be able to put the ball in the end zone versus Cowboys defense that's been turning up every week? And I just have a hard time believing that. Geno Smith, under those bright lights, Thursday night versus Dak Prescott, who's playing at, honestly, some of his best football we've ever seen. I think it just comes down to that. Can Dak, or my bad, can Geno go throw for throw with Dak Prescott and I just historically I haven't seen that and I don't know why that trend would break especially with the Cowboys at home on a big game so that's where I'm at right now, Reg. So, on the
0: truckwreck.com text line already people in getting involved we appreciate you doing that from the 469 Seahawks not much of a challenge they say that's it's a reason why Vegas has this as a 9 point spread um, another 40 burger is what they are calling for here um, man, this this is I don't think that they're going to pose a huge challenge for the Cowboys because the Cowboys are playing some of their best football. I do think that there are some interesting things with this Cal- or with this Seahawks team. Um obviously, you you started with the defense and I think that's where the challenge lies. Uh if if well, no, there's some offensive challenges and we'll get there. We'll circle back there, but the defense, uh the passing defense can be really interesting with this Seahawks team. Don't you agree like you have uh some corners and this these are the places where Um, At least my eye was drawn when we talk about draft night when they added uh, Witherspoon to the outside. Tariq Woolen has also been really good for them. They've had some really good uh, cornerback play in this one when it comes to.
2: I will add, and I'm a big Woolen fan from UTSA, but he did get benched last week for, I don't know if he was kind of a little banged up. Coach said he wasn't making tackles like he should have. So I know on paper, if you haven't been watching the Seahawks games this year, you see the names. And you're like, wow, this defense is loaded. Bobby Wagner, who's also still playing really well. But I will say they do have some holes in that defense. And if we can get the ball to the outside with that run game, I'm taking my chances with Tony Pollard breaking a tackle or two when it comes to woollen and spoon. But
0: continue. Well, yeah, I w- really I was I wanted to focus on the past defense for a second because you have those names. But one of the things that makes uh that makes me comfortable is like, one, like, all right, if if you have those guys, I still like the Cowboys' wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. But, you know, assuming that there are going to be some level of challenge on the outside, one thing that won't be a challenge the linebackers that this team has, you look at Bobby Wagner, very good linebacker, can still, come up. I don't know
2: how he keeps doing it. Yes. After all these years, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. still look, top of the game. Look, man, some folks, you know, they just know how to play
0: football, right? Like yep. le- leaning into the cliche. Some dudes just are football players. Bobby Wagner is one of those dudes that's football pl- that's a is a football player. And I know that, you know, some folks will then go back to the time where, hey, remember when he was available and you had an opportunity to go get him? I sure. was one of those guys. I was, uh, I was like let's uh, get him. <laughs> one of the things about it is like he plays the run very well up mm-hmm. the middle. And so when you talk about the run, that's gonna be a little bit of an issue in talking about the past though he's not as you know mobile in that way so i do wonder if that is going to allow you to maybe attack the middle of the field
2: and I, I, i'm interested to see what the cowboys do they want to get a just a w reggie or do they want to get a style point we're gonna run the ball and show we got the run game or do you think it's just hey win win is a win type thing
0: i mean i don't know that they are like doing a style points thing however you could look at the ways in which this team has absolutely handled teams that they are better than Mm -hmm. outside of the Arizona Cardinals Mm -hmm. game and I don't know if you want to call that style points but it seems like they are inclined to try and go out here and you know operate as best as they possibly can in any given moment and I think that's one of the reasons why you see the change in the you know the output of this offense right over the last you know six weeks you see the ways in which they have you know made their offensive attack more efficient they've attacked down the field and even when they haven't right they've they've attacked pockets of the defense better. Um so I don't know necessarily if that like mindset is something that I'm really concerned about uh but one thing I I am happy about is like tactically um I think that there's there's spaces for them to attack in this defense and then also passing wise and running wise I think you're right right the idea of running up the middle might be uh a little bit of a tough proposition what I do think is going to be more uh fruitful them for them and I think that the Cowboys have already started doing this Is utilizing Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle outside or, you know, towards the tackles and, you know, out towards the perimeter. I think that's what we saw on Thanksgiving. You saw, you know, more of that utilized. In fact, uh, Rico Dowdle gets into the end zone, attacking the outside, letting these guys get into space, right? I know Tony Pollard is a guy that can run up the middle, but that doesn't mean just because he can is something that you have to be in. It feels like early on in the season, we saw them running into a wall, almost trying. I don't know if this was trying to prove anything, but it felt like at times. Why are you trying to prove something that he can run up the middle? Just get him to the places where he could be effective. And it feels like they've done that better. I think that that can also be a successful against uh, this Seahawks defense.
2: I mean, McCarthy talked about it going into the season. I want to establish the run more. Tony Pollard is going to be our guy. So I think it was a little bit, obviously I'm not McCarthy's head, but just from the outside looking in, I think it was a little bit of, I'm going to prove to the fan base, the locker room, that we can be a run first team and then pass when we need to. And you saw after, after that uh, 49ers game, like, hey, style points, proving people right isn't always what you need to do. Go to your strengths. And we've seen with Dak Prescott, he's been the best passer since that 49ers game. All the stats back that up. I could read off stats all day long, but y'all seen it. Like, he's proving he knows what he's doing. But going back to the Seahawks, I mean, to Geno's defense, they have had a banged up O line most of the year, but that's kind of like all of the NFL. There's, I don't know, there's been one O line that's played every single snap together. They get their right tackle back this week, so they'll be a lot healthier than they have been. But they also probably aren't going to have Kenneth Walker, so there's just a lot of holes kind of in there. And now they do in,
0: have Zach Charbonnet, who I like. I like him, but drafted out of UCLA, he is serviceable, but last week wasn't great. Yeah, and so uh, this, the thing I am concerned a little bit, and as much as you can be concerned, because look. You're playing NFL team. They get paid those things. Um, The Cowboys, if there is a weak spot defensively, is that teams can still run on you. Like there's still an opportunity to do that. I don't think that they can do it successfully enough. And some of the reason why this is, is if you are going to run the ball, especially with any level of, you know, success and consistency, you're going to need to be able to convert on third downs as well. Right. Um, And with that being the case, this Seahawks team is not good on third down. And honestly, on either side of the football either. Um, So like when they're on offense um, and this comes from uh, field goals, uh, one of the SB Nation sites that covers. The Seahawks, uh, when they're on offense, it's very young, inexperienced offensive line, as you mentioned, um, and that's failed. They failed to provide protection for Geno Smith. That's huge. Which, hey, he's not
2: mobile like we like we've seen. So he he, he can move a little bit, he but he's little, not. He got a little wiggle, but that's not his strength.
0: Right. He's. We're not talking about what you know you saw with Josh Dobbs uh, against this. Yeah, you know, you're not seeing somebody who's going to like be heavy and escaping, and especially if he is not getting like a level of protection in that way. Hello, here comes Micah Parsons. Here comes, you know, Tank Lawrence. Here comes Osa Digizuwa. Here comes, right, I can keep listing them off. Y'all know the usual suspects on this defensive line. And so there's those things. And then also defensively third down. They are not great at that either, which the Cowboys have been pretty good at that. And that only serves to bode better for the Cowboys. And so... I think that you're going to be able to sustain drives on offense against uh, these Seahawks and you hopefully will be able to get off the field defensively. And that only lines up for, you know, a
2: dismantling, I think. See, I'm in the same mindset that I was going into the Thanksgiving game of the point where the team that they're playing got embarrassed the week before. Are they going to come into this Cowboys game? with a mindset of, we're not going to let this happen two weeks in a row, national TV with the Commanders on Thanksgiving, and now the Seahawks here on Thursday Night Football. And I was like, okay, it's going to be close. These teams are rivals. You know, the Seahawks and Cowboys have played in the playoffs a couple times. What, what are they going to bring to the table? And when I did my predictions, said the Cowboys would win, but it would be like a 10, 15-point game. And I feel the same way about this. Like I think on paper and all the stats to kind of back it up, how the Seahawks have been playing the last couple of weeks, The Cowboys should blow them out the water. They're at home, won 13 in a row at home. The point differential is astronomical. But I'm like, the Seahawks play them tight. DK and Tyler Lockett usually play well against the Cowboys. Pete Carroll just got embarrassed last Thursday, or last game. So is he going to let that happen in Jerry World? Like I just feel like this team's a little too physical to just get knocked out the arena like they did against San Francisco. Like I don't think Pete Carroll's going to let that happen two weeks in a row.
0: Well, I don't know about how much it's going to be about letting that happen. One thing that's been uh, very evident is of late and of the last maybe month or so, plus uh, with in the NFL, the Cowboys have looked like one of the best teams in the league. And again, we can talk about competition or whatever. And we talk about, uh, you know, advanced metrics like uh, expected points added per mm-hmm. play. The Cowboys are, you know, slaying this in a way that is, um, you know, otherworldly. And again, I understand we're going to end up with anything we talk about with these Cowboys. We're going to end up back talking about the level of competition. Um, But look, man, this Cowboys team has looked very good. And if you break it down to the pieces, you can see the ways in which they've looked good. They've attacked the seam incredibly well. Dak Prescott, just in general, has been playing very well. We could talk about. Uh, the ways in which the running game has started, you know, tr- trending back up, upwards over the last period of time. Right. The defense is otherworldly. And in addition to all of those things, you've been getting takeaways on top of that. And so and I look, that's also going to be opportunity because Geno Smith throws a really good football. However, he, you know, has been giving opportunities for those to be taken away this year. He's he's thrown a, a decent amount of interceptions, uh, unlike last year where he was playing you know, really well in that first year coming off of, you know, Russell Wilson leaving Seattle. And so, I think all those things come together and really give the Cowboys a great opportunity to do another one of those games where uh, you know, at the end of it we're going to look at it and probably dismiss it, but going in, you know, I know you have not necessarily concerns, um uh, but you know, you're 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 looking cautiously at this. Now, one thing I want to ask you before we wrap this this particular segment up. Um the they have a trio of wide receivers that's really interesting. And mm-hmm. I understand pass protection is going to be something that they're going to have to worry about. But let's assume that Geno Smith is un, un, protected enough to get passes off, right? How concerned are you about the trio of DK, Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, especially uh, talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, who will run from the slot, and knowing that teams have tried to attack Jordan Lewis a little bit from the slot.
2: Yeah, you hit it right on the nail. When it comes to Deron Bland kind of being over DK, not worried at all. I mean. DK couldn't get off against Shadarius Ward the other week, so I think Deron Bland, who's allowed the lowest completion percentage, number one pass grade as a corner, I think he'll be fine. I will add, though, in that same token, watching that Thanksgiving game live, Deron Bland didn't have the best first half. No. Curtis Samuel was getting his. They were attacking him. It wasn't like an accidental the ball floated. over. They were running crossers. They were running comebacks. They were running hitches everything they were running a lot of stuff towards his side and I know he made the big play the pick six so kind of you know overwhelms that but that but that was really his only blemish I've seen on his report card yet and I just think he's going to be up to the moment and take care of that but I I think you said it perfectly the biggest matchup will be Jordan Lewis on Jackson Smith and Jigba and if I had to put like a percentage of it I feel like 60% 60% good, 40% Jackson Smith could have himself a game. So it'll be definitely something I'm monitoring to see how that kind of matchup works. And I think that'll be more long term for the Cowboys. How does he deal with these fast slot guys? Yeah. So um I think we we both fall in where I look, this is going to be more
0: of a challenge than some of the teams that you've been facing mm-hmm. off against, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a step up from playing against Washington. It's a huge step up from playing against Carolina. Um, this is not going to satiate the, the doubters that or, like, the, let's Never say will. the critics. Because I, I also want to be, be fair, right? Like, I'm not trying to put the folks that have that level of perspective on the Cowboys, I'm not trying to, like, dismiss their claims. Like, I understand where you can look up and see, say, in order to be, be the best, you have to beat the best. Hello, Ric Flair, right? Like, I think in order to, you know, be considered one of the best in this league, you still want to see them compete against high-level uh, competition. And when they have... Um, it's it's been a little so so when it comes to the Niners and getting whooped, and then with the Eagles, you played well, but you didn't finish off right. And so I think that there, I understand that perspective, and I don't want to you know completely dismiss folks, but however. Look, man, this is a Cowboys team that looks incredibly good, and I think that they have an opportunity to do that again tomorrow. And, uh, look, this is the place to keep up with that. It's 105 Through the Fan, your home of the Dallas Cowboys, and, of course, we'll have that game for you tomorrow evening. Of course, we'll have your regular programming on 105 Through the Fan, Sean and RJ at 530. They'll start getting you ready. KNC Masterpiece, 10-2. to 2. They will also be getting you ready. A G-Bag Nation will take you 2-4, to 4, and that will lead into – the pregame show, the official pregame show of the Dallas Cowboys at 4 p.m. That'll take you all the way to when uh, Brad Sham and Babe Loffenberg have the call of Cowboys Seahawks from AT&T Stadium right here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys 105-3 The Fan. It's the get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula alongside uh, the fan phenom Blake Elliott here will take you to 11. Coming up next, let's talk about uh, another team in the Metroplex, the Dallas Mavericks. Big news came down yesterday we'll talk about that we'll talk about their win against the rockets and more with tim cato of the athletic next on 105 through the fan it's the get right right here on 105 three the fan reginald datatula joined alongside by the fan phenom blake elliott talk to me appreciate you with us on this wednesday in the metroplex uh coming up in about 20 minutes we'll get you news and notes from around the nfl but right now um it's time to talk a little bit about your Dallas Mavericks who uh, broke a little bit of news yesterday, sh- shook a little bit uh, of the sports world in addition to getting a win against the Rockets, the Houston Rockets, uh, last night. And so with all of that, I want to talk about that. And I couldn't think of a better person to talk to than our friend from The Athletic. He covers the Mavs. His name is Tim Cato. And I've given him a lot of, a lot of crap about his phone connection. So we'll see how good it is. Tim, what's happening, my man? I thought it was just that one time that
3: was bad.
0: Um, look, there was one time where it was really bad, but just on a, like, general basis, it could be a little tinny, it could be a little hard to hear you sometimes, so like, uh, you know, I, one, one thing I would ask, put some bass in your voice in this one. How about that?
3: You know, Reggie, uh, I, any day now, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than willing for you to buy me some new AirPods.
0: Okay, alright, um, yeah. I'll see if we can expense it, um, and knowing, knowing about, uh, how radio works. Uh, we will hear from you in these same uh, tones uh, the next time that we talk to you. But uh, let's let's make this one a good one because there's a lot of juicy and interesting things happening around these Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I don't know if you heard, and I hope that you've heard because I'm hoping that you have more information for us. Uh, Mark Cuban, you know, we find out last night or, you know, late in the afternoon that Mark Cuban is selling a majority stake uh, of the ownership of the Dallas Mavericks to a family from Las Vegas to the Adelson family um first of all, do you have any idea on the why because obviously this is the question that everybody immediately asks is why it seems like Mark Cuban loves owning this team what what is the why that you have gotten to over the last twenty four hours?
3: I don't know if I have um i, I think yes yeah, that's the that's the number one question that's that that is that is the curiosity about this' it's hiding. Um, my understanding is that, uh, this has been in the works. I, I, I heard about, uh, I, I didn't know it was going to happen this fast, and, and certainly it was something that I was, uh, you know, poking around on. And then all of a sudden it, it, it did happen last night, but you know, this is not the, the very first time that I've heard about it last night. And, uh, it, it may have been, you know, it probably was something that was going on a lot, uh, you know, a lot longer, uh, than, than even I heard about it a few weeks ago. This is, um, you know a move like this a sell like this doesn't happen out of nowhere and so yeah that's where we're left we're left asking the why and you know i i think personally the first thing that pops to mind is you know has these you know has his mark in his flirtations with presidential runs and stuff like that is there something bigger coming after this and as far as I know, from everybody I've talked to, from all of the best understandings that I have, this is not what this is. Um, this is something else. And that why is pretty interesting to me, but it's, it's one that I, I think we're still diving into and, and trying to understand. And, and with, a, with a move with this much significance, I, I think it might take a while to, to fully you know, grasp and wrap our heads around what is happening here.
2: Hey Tim. So first of all, it's Blake. We need to do it. We need to do a jacket swap. I need the one you were wearing the other <laughs> night. I like that one.
3: It's a good one. It's a it's a very good one. Uh, you better come with some fire for me to consider a swap.
2: You don't, you don't, you didn't like the green one last night? Uh, let's see it. Let's all, see it. Okay. Okay. Uh, question two. So my theory is, and tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm off the ayahuasca. I think that there's some gambling kind of coming in trying to kind of create this resort kind of thing, being the first one, being ahead of the pinball and trying to make this Metroplex more than just the AAC, trying to make this some resort gambling kind of hub. Is there any kind of traction behind that or am I off my bonkers?
3: No, 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 no. I I think you have the right uh, interpretation of of why Mark is selling to the Adelson family. Uh, in in the Sands Corporation, I, I think that is 100% what's happening here. Uh, look, Mark has said that the the Sands Corporation, which is which is the you know the, the company owned by the Adelson family that, that is that is doing the sale, uh, doing the purchase, I should say, is um, Mark said in 2022 that this was the ideal company to partner with when uh, his vision of a casino slash arena slash resort. Uh, you know, hopefully, came to fruition. Something that wouldn't happen until the following decade because of Mavericks lease at the American Airlines Center. But uh, you know, this is this is very clear. He has he has been public as Mark is is you know frequently frequently is. He has been very public about this being a vision. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting that he had he had already name dropped this all the way back in I believe it was December of last year. So this is something that. Um, you know, I, I think it's the the obvious takeaway there to take from this, that, um, you know, the, the Adelson family, uh, you know, funds uh, a lot of Republican Texas politicians, and that legislatively there has been some movement to legalize sports gambling in, in some fashion in Texas. And so I, I think it's really easy to connect all the dots there. I think the other dots that uh, are worth connecting here is that however much the Adlison families use this as a you know, I, I don't know all the reasons behind their purchase, but I think we can say that the gambling is part of it. And if this is more of a you know a you know, a business move for them, and again I don't I you know I can't speak to their exact reasoning, but you know, clearly there is some business uh, reasons behind this. Um, how how many how many buyers would have let Mark Cuban Remain in charge of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. A lot of the tech billionaires that have fought into the NBA recently are following the same path that Mark Cuban did. Like, he was the person who, was, you know, came into the NBA and was a visible presence and was somebody who was actively involved in day-to-day operations. And I think that a lot of people who would be interested to buy into the NBA at this point, um, you know, if Mark had made his sale public, he probably could have got more money but I don't know if he could have got that concession. And we can talk about that concession and what that means next. I, I, I'm guessing that might be the follow-up question. But I do think that when you look at the buyer, whatever you think of the buyer, and I know there's a lot of strong opinions you can definitely have about the buyer, the family, the, the whole idea of gambling. Um, whatever you think of all that, there is a reason why this was the person who Like I think that's the motivation to, to buy the Mavericks, and I think you can also see in reverse, you can see the motivations of why Mark Cuban singled them out without a public sale with something that was probably under the team's valuation. Um, you, know, and, and, you know, we'll see. But, but I think the early returns is that if he was trying to eat the most money out of this, this sale, that, that it possibly could have been more. But I don't know if anybody else would have given him that retainer and I think
0: that's where the motivation for both sides lie. Yeah, uh, it's, Tim. Apparently, you just have you could go ahead and run this interview by yourself, and I'll go ahead and take a break because that's absolutely that where I wanted lot, to go next.
3: That was a lot of talking. I'll, I'll admit
0: that. No, it's not the talking. Is like where I wanted to go next was absolutely like the concession that was made. And oddly enough, Mark Stein, who in fact broke the you know broke the news first, so I do want to give him that attribution. Um, he also, earlier today, around, around 24 hours after he broke the original news, uh, let us know that uh, Sands Court President Patrick Dumont will become the Mavericks governor and Mark Cuban will shift to alternate governor um, in the sale agreement if it's formally approved. Uh, that that last clause, that if it's formally approved, is something that I'm starting to think of because... You mentioned the idea that this sale is happening at a price that is would be the first time that a valuation for a team goes down in the NBA in our recent memory, and that makes me wonder: Are there any things that could maybe halt the progress of this being agreed on, ag- agreed upon by other NBA governors, if no other reason than maybe the money not coming out right or the the you know the oddness of this situation? I don't
3: think so. I, I think that's a really good question. I think that's very intuitive and, and smart to be asking that question, uh, specifically as it relates to the valuation. I do not have any indication that there's any reason to think that this sale would not go through. I, I, I think that, you know, some of it is, is percentage, you know, the use of percentages involved. This isn't an outright sale, and Mark did not own a Mavericks outright. He did not own 100% of the Mavericks. Uh, you know, we're on sports radio. I don't want to go too far into, you know, business math that I'm not even, you know, perfect on, that I am, you know, making sure that I am, uh, you know, correct on. But, you know, I, I, you know the understanding is that he's retaining some, some level of share. I, you know, as far as I understand it, both previous ownership groups, uh, Ross Perot, who owned the team for about five years, and that's who uh, Cuban bought it from, and then even the Don Carter family, even before that, you know, which much, might be a much smaller stake. Um, you know, they, they still have some ownership shares. Uh, Mark did not buy the team at a hundred percent. You know, he bought a majority share when he bought in, uh, in in 2000, but it was, but it was not the entire team. So it, it might be to some extent the the percentages that are going on. Um, it, it might just be that, you know, there was a specific concession that Mark wanted out of this deal that. This specific buyer uh, was identified early as, as one of the very probably one of the very few buyers that would be willing to give that to him. and I, I haven't heard any indication. It's a good question, and certainly it would be news if there is any indication that this would be something that you know the the, the board of governors and the other owners would would look at and, and you know raise their eyebrows. But I have no indication that is the case whatsoever as of right now.
0: We're talking to Tim Cato of the Athletic right here on the Get Right on One Hundred Five Through the Fan.
2: Tim, okay, so enough about Mark Cuban running for president or building a casino, whatever he's going to do with that money. Let's get to some hoops. I got a question for you, Mr. Tim. Mavs are sitting at the three seed, 11-6. and six. We've had some ups and downs some peaks and valleys. It's been a roller coaster kind of year. What would you say to Mavs fans on where you think this team stands? Are they a team that can make a deep playoff push based on the current rush of construction? Is this a team that's kind of a flash in a pan, first-round exit? I know it's early, but what have you seen, especially – Last night's game against a good Houston team. What have you seen from this team, and what's your outlook?
3: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about the team. Uh, you know, like I, I don't think before the season, you know, when we, we were talking about it, that, that we really viewed this team as a as a deep playoff run type of, of roster. And I think the early start might have uh, might have given people some some hope, some some false hope. And, and false hope doesn't feel like the right word because, like, I think this is a good team. I just think that you know one thing that I've said since the since the season started was, uh, you know, like he's the third best player, and you know it might be a 19 a year old rookie, and and I don't think that that sort of roster build is the type that's going to make a conference finals run or or a finals run, not you know not over a team like Denver, and so I I don't I I think that this team is good. I I think that they have proven they're good. I think that. Last season was was earned. Last season was a complete and utter failure. I think that a lot of things went wrong to allow it to happen, and I think the team got better over the summer. I think that they improved the roster. And I think the culmination of all those things leads you to a team that is solid, you know, and very possibly a team that can get home court advantage this season, but also a team that, is not as good as the start, you know, as, as their start was. And, and some of that was scheduled luck and, and that they still have weaknesses and depth issues and, and holes, even as they're deeper than ever, uh, that, that, that won't be addressed probably this season. and So I, I think they're good. And I, I think good is not the deep playoff run. You know, I think there's just a gap between that. And, and that's something that they, Probably know. I think they certainly know and that they have to continue addressing, you know, either at the trade deadline or, or to me, in all likelihood,
0: uh, next offseason. Tim, last night, uh, the Mavericks are able to beat a really good defensive um, Houston Rockets team. And in doing so, Luka Doncic gets to the basket more than it feels like he has any time recently. How encouraged were you seeing them win, but not just win, but win in the very particular way that they did against a good defensive team?
3: I don't worry too much about Luca, no matter what he's doing, you know, as, as long as he's not in any sort of like prolonged slump and, and historically throughout his career, that hasn't really happened. Uh, you know, he was making a bunch of jumpers early in the season. I mean, still making a uh, mountain jumpers, you know, still making a career high three, point percentage. Uh, that was the way it was working for him and, and it was working just fine. And so, uh, I, I was never too concerned that he wasn't getting to the rim as much, but I do think ultimately that good players that superstars get to the rim. You know, it's, it's just it, to, to put it another way. I think superstars in the league, offensive superstars, they make the game look easy. And the way you make the game look easy is by you know, just getting left and, and getting easy shots. And, you know, he makes hard parts of the game look easy, but I think, you know, true superstars also make the game look easy. So, I think you're right to point out that, that he's getting to the rim a little bit more and, you know, has, has been over the past few games. And I think all that stuff was normalized because, you know, I, I, I think that so far this has been the best season he's had. You know, it's obviously way too early to, to say this, but his second best season was his second season. And that was a, that was a year where he got to the rim at a LeBron James-like race you know, maybe not peak LeBron, but, but, a, but a very good LeBron type three And ultimately, you know, if, if for all the conditioning and athleticism stuff that, that we talked about that's important for Luca. you know, that's something that he needs to continue doing. And, and I think the, the positive direction he's headed in, in that way is, is, is something important and is something that, um, you know, just makes me think, yes, yeah, this, is, this is still Luca and he's still a top five player in the world.
0: You can catch him at Tim underscore Cato on Twitter or X. Um, he's Tim Cato of The Athletic covering the Dallas Mavericks. Tim, anything uh, you got coming here soon that you want to kind of plug? Um,
3: nothing imminent, you know. Certainly nothing like, you know, you know. very interested in the sale, but I think that's going to take a long time to unpack. And, you know, i got some got some stories dropping soon. But go go listen to our new podcast. Here, that's the one I should, should be shouting out. The only Mavericks podcast because – you know, when we launched, there was uh, 70 other podcasts. So we're just having a little fun with the name. The only Mavericks podcast. We're on all the feeds, uh, all the, uh, the podcasts, cool sites. And so uh, check us out. And uh, we're dropping weekly episodes. And we'd love to have you tune in.
0: There you go. All Tim right. Cato of The Athletic, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time, my man. Absolutely. That's Tim. There he goes. There he goes, uh, Tim Cato of the Athletic, covering your Dallas Mavericks, uh, and giving us a little bit of his time to talk about uh, the new ownership. Should the you know the agreement uh, be ratified in the national basketball National Basketball Association for the Mavs to uh, have new primary or majority ownership, and in addition, talking a little bit about your Dallas Mavericks on the court. It's to get right right here on 105.3 the fan, and coming up next. We'll take you around the NFL on 105 Through the Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: It's
0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Call from mom. Answer
3: it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails
1: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: So get right right here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion, Texas Rangers. 105 through the fan. Reginald Datatula here with you alongside the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Appreciate you rocking with us here on this Wednesday evening in the Metroplex. Uh, coming up in about 15 minutes, uh, we'll have a conversation about which team is in the worst place in the NFL. Um, we'll get you those names coming up a little later and uh, hopefully have you join in on the conversation on the truckwreck.com text line 877 881 1053. We got you till 11 p.m. Uh, but right now, let's go around the National Football League where I know here locally. One of the things around the NFL that people are really interested in as it pertains to the Dallas Cowboys is one Darius Shaquille Leonard, uh linebacker previously of the Annapolis Colts. He, you know, cleared waivers, and now he's in this place where he's a free agent. People want him, and his services are, you know, split between two suitors, your Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, he met with the Dallas Cowboys in the star yesterday, had a great time. Jerry Jones let us know that he'd be having lunch with them. I hope he had a nice uh, a nice meal and everything. He met. He seen, it sounded like it went well. He left. And people were like, Ooh, I don't know if that means anything. Oh, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Today, he was in Philadelphia, met with uh, the Eagles, had his whole thing go down. And ultimately, he is not staying there. So it seems like what he's going to do, and this is reporting, is that he'll go, he'll, you know, marinate on his decision. And ultimately, he will make his decision this weekend, is what we've been told. Now things get a little spicy, and this is why you need to turn it on, leave it on, right here on 105 through the fan. Because earlier on the G Bag Nation, um, Brian Baldinger, who you can hear every week uh, on Wednesdays on the G Bag Nation, he got into, he he told a little bit of something. He said that uh, his sources around the league sources sources said sources. that uh, they believe that Shaq is leaning towards Shaquille Leonard is leaning towards the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. So obviously we'll get more news uh, once we come to the weekend, but. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that, the idea that Shaquille Leonard could, in fact, actually be leaning towards the Cowboys after visiting these two uh, these two teams?
2: Yeah, well, so this is my pitch. If you want to be the reason that a team wins the Super Bowl, then you come to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to let you know right now, the Eagles might plug and play you, but you're just going to be another guy on that defense. The Cowboys, if I can name out one weak point of their defense, or the, honestly their team, It's that linebacker. And I will say, I think Marquise Bell has played amazing for what he's done. But you're you're asking a lot from a sophomore guy to be the run stopper. And he's a little lighter in the frame. I will say he's been a great pass coverage guy.
0: Absolutely, because he's I mean, he's a safety by trade.
2: And so and Brian was talking about this on Twitter, going back and forth with some people. You know, he was getting into it saying that the frame is that kind of position kind of changing where you need a smaller guy to kind of be a hybrid linebacker nickel safety kind of guy and i agree to both points but imagine having them both out there like having the versatility because we're just at the point where we need depth like we've had a lot of guys going to injury report we're having evans kind of in there who's kind of been you know kind of a journeyman with linebacker he's serviceable doing his thing but i don't think that's the guy you want to have an nfc championship when you're going against a jalen hurts and a brock purdy late in there so if you have one a great linebacker who can cover the run two veteran leadership in that linebacker room mm-hmm. that's, that's on the field. I understand Sean Lee's on the – or Sean Lee, man. I just had to throw back. Vander Esch. Well, I guess you did the thing where it's like it's a middle linebacker that's hurt, so it's got to be Sean Lee. <laughs> oh, Sean Lee. I miss him. But um, Vander Edge is on the sideline and like a coach there, which is great. But at the end of the day, you got to play fast and be on the field. And if you had a guy like Shaq Leonard out there, I'm not saying I need him to lead the team in tackles and be the run stopper to save the Cowboys, but it's just more help. And I think the Cowboys, if there was any resource to bleed into, it would be in a linebacker and Shaq Leonard's available. It seems like it's not going to be too expensive. I know they did the medical reports to make sure he's going to be good to go and all that, and that might be the factor that plays into it. But, hey, man, Dallas, Dallas food over Philly food. I'm taking Dallas every day of the week. So, come on, come eat with them boys. Come get with Micah, Bell, Bland. Let's break some records. Take down those Eagles. Love it. I love it. Uh, so yeah, Shaq Leonard's set to make his
0: decision this weekend. Uh, Opie World on the Twitch says unless Philly money whips him, I don't know that that's going to be a problem. It's I, I'm I'm not even sure if they have uh, as much a cap available to to them to like do some level of money whipping and understanding that you know he is getting that money off of that contract um with the Colts so I think I think the money is probably less of an issue Mm -hmm. and I think the Cowboys uh if you trust what Jerry says which I know some people don't necessarily but Jerry did kind of speak from a place where it seemed like he was comfortable with the idea of the money is not the issue just making sure the medicals are right and it seems like he has kind of passed those things if what we what we're hearing is correct ultimately it's just if he wants to be here and Brian Baldinger seems to uh you know longtime NFL analyst and all these things he seems to you know believe that that is where Shaquille Leonard is leaning. We will keep you up to date with that as developments continue. Uh, elsewhere around the National Football League, all right, we're doing the thing. Let's hear. It. Aaron Rodgers comes back to play here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, obviously gets injured four plays into the New York Jets season, and he tears his Achilles. And that we all understood that to mean he was done for the season, right? You know, we got to a certain point where Aaron Rodgers, as he, you know, is frequently seen on the Pat McAfee show, kind of talks about he's, you know, looking at maybe coming back this year. And it's like, oh, OK, there's some hope. We'll see. Aiming for near the end of the season. Well, that goal is more It's coming closer to being realized as the Jets have activated him for activated his uh, practice window. And he did, in fact, practice today. Uh, So he has the 21 days to decide whether to activate him from the injured reserve. That period expires on December 20th, which is four days before they face the commandos. Um, And so there's a possibility. It's just (laughs) it's more fun for me to say it. And that's what I say. Let me let me be more professional. Let me reel that in. it's four days before they face the Washington commanders. Let's go. Um, And so look, if we are to believe like it it does seem like this is a thing. And I guess. I've tried to, like, wrap my head around it a little bit more because, you know, I've been of the mind that, hey, man, I don't know that he's coming back. And if he does, I'm not sure if it matters. Uh, I saw earlier today, and I was thinking about this, in 1997, uh, Jerry Rice started the season in, in week one and tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's 1997. This is, you know, over 20 years uh, ago, 26 years ago, right? Um, and it was like, oh, man, that's end of the season. He ultimately comes back and plays in week 16. Um, Now he gets injured again. (laughs) So that's a whole other thing. But like we've seen people come back sooner than, you know, significantly sooner than the diagnoses that we, you know, would typically expect. Not to say that that this is going to go well, it's going to go poorly. I'm just trying to get myself in a better place of, all right, let's, you know, let's see how this goes because I was very dismissive of this return. But it looks like Aaron Rodgers is on the path to maybe returning and actually playing again this season for the New York Jets.
2: Reggie, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. You I, don't have to start. Like, I,
0: this is the thing. If if there's nothing to say, there's nothing. To, look, I we've talked about Aaron Rodgers a lot. I, I, <laughs> I
2: think this says a lot about the Jets organization more than anything. Well, they've bent over backwards to keep this alive, That's right? That's what I'm saying. Like, your team is 4-7, and seven, one of the worst O-lines. The division, I would say, for the most part, is kind of locked up. The Dolphins will probably win. They have a four-game lead on them. Th- Aaron Rodgers would rather defy modern science and watch Tim Boyle throw another pass or Zach Wilson throw another pass. That's how bad it is in the Jets room. Right now, Robert Sala well, is fighting you, for his job. You
0: say that, but this is the thing. They they made the decision to stay with that, to stay with uh, you know Zach Wilson and to ultimately go to Tim Boyle. They, they had an opportunity early on in the season to try and explore other options. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that this is a great option. Carson Wentz was still out there, right? There's things that you can maybe do if you were trying to – they held out hope that this was a possibility. and So it seems like they have put the entirety of their hope, as they did in the offseason, in the idea that Aaron Rodgers at his age is going to come in and be their quarterback. And now it's Aaron Rodgers at his age coming off of an Achilles tear really quickly after that tear, mind you is still the one that they're putting their
2: hope in. At age 40, people are acting like he's, like, 25 or something. Like, he is 40 years old, people, or about to be 40, one of the two. Like, he is coming up on 40, and he's trying to play off an Achilles b- behind a bad old line And I'm, gonna, I'm actually an Aaron Rodgers supporter, but I will say in this instance, this is, to an extent, like, part of him. He brought in all these people. He said, I want to spin. I want my buddy Randall Cobb here. I want my buddy Lazard here. Both of them have been abysmal. Lazard was a healthy scratch last week. And when you pay a guy 44 million, you can't go get top-tier O-linemen. And then things like this happen. I'm not saying the injuries because of that. I'm saying hopefully he gets back soon. But I'm just saying you don't have the resources because they bent over backwards for A-Rod. And now it's coming to bite them where, man, A-Rod's got to come back and save this season Come back and do what? Maybe, maybe have a week 17 game to make a wild card with a 40-year-old quarterback behind a terrible old line and a loaded division or a loaded conference? This gets me mad. I don't get it. I don't get it. Modern science says you can't come back. He says, I'm going to defy it just to show you how important I am to the Jets. The Jets aren't doing nothing this year.
0: Uh, elsewhere around the National Football League, Joe Flacco is now listed as number two on the Browns depth chart, meaning if Dominique, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is not capable of going for them, By the way, for the Browns this weekend, Joe Flacco would indeed be the starter for the Browns. Also, um, Bailey Zappi apparently took a majority of the snaps uh, in New England Patriots land, meaning the Zach, or sorry, the the Mac McCorkle Jones situation. Really bad place. And finally, uh, former Pro Bowl wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. You familiar with him?
2: Oh yeah, he torched the Cowboys for many of years. Yeah,
0: also did that thing where he dropped the football before getting in the end zone. Just fast receiver, played for a while. Um, I don't think he realized he actually had not retired. However, he will retire as a member of the Eagles. He announced that earlier today. So uh, Friday, he'll be an honor- honorary captain for. Or sorry, he'll be an honorary captain for Sunday's game against the Niners at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, But those are some of your news and notes around the National Football League here on The Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next on The Get Right, which team is in the worst place between these three teams? The Carolina Panthers, the New England Patriots, of the Chicago Bears. Text in truckwreck.com. text line 877 881 1053. We'll discuss it next on the fan. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.